podcast. I'm your host, Jamel Warney here, and we have a special guest today. I've been waiting for this for the last few weeks now. Uh, the assistant coach at Stony Brook, the assistant coach at Rutgers, and now the head coach at Fairfield, Coach Jay Young. How are you doing today on this fine? Oh, is it Wednesday morning? It is. Uh, what is today? Wednesday morning. Yeah, in the U.S. it is Wednesday mm-hmm. morning. And a beautiful day in Fairfield, Connecticut. It's actually uh, raining like crazy. We've got this hurricane, the remnants of uh, one of the hurricanes that just hit the south coming up here. But it's all good, man. Everything's good. I appreciate you uh, having me on the podcast so soon. You know, like I think I'm about your 60th <laughs> guest. So, yeah, no, we, we have a lot to talk about this year. I mean, this podcast, sorry. Um, I want to start first with um, you at Marist, your college experience. It's funny because... However long I've known you, I didn't know you played lacrosse at Marist. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, you know, you're 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 selfish, so you don't <laughs> know the people in your lives, you know. So, but uh, yeah, so I I went to uh, Marist College in Poughkeepsie, New York, and uh, when I was coming out of high school, I played uh, I played football and basketball in high school. And uh, just when I was coming out, decided to kind of, I was at a Catholic high school, was looking at some Catholic schools, and Marist was one of them. And uh, just kind of like anybody else, decided to take a chance and go there. I didn't know a lot of people. It was mostly Long Island kids at the time and New York kids, and a lot of kids from Massachusetts. So went there and uh, just, you know, wasn't good enough. I know you're shocked to uh, hear this, but wasn't good enough to play Division One basketball at the time. Um, you're, five, you're, five, you're five, six on a good day, so I mean, I'm not pretty surprised, but you know, hey. yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for that, but uh, so, <laughs> but you know, still enjoyed kind of playing, and and uh, at the time, uh, I started rooming my, my freshman year, room with a guy, some guys on the lacrosse team, and just kind of started throwing the ball around with them, and and. You know, really screwing around, really didn't have any aspirations of playing. But, you know, slowly they kind of talked me about trying out for the team my sophomore year. Uh, and I did. And it's a lot of the same principles as basketball. A lot of the defensive stuff is the same. And actually, a lot of the offensive stuff is the same, too. So there's a lot of carryover between the two. And I enjoyed it and, uh, you know, kind of grinded away and uh, ended up doing okay there at Marist and, and still have a lot of good friends off the lacrosse team and had a lot of fun, obviously, with those guys, too. So oh. it was a, it was it was, it was was a good experience, yeah. Yeah, and I see right here that you were uh, all-conference selection. Uh, first team. First, oh, first yeah, team, yeah, wow. Get, I don't know what your research department is like. Uh, obviously, not, not great, but, yeah, first, <laughs> first, first team all-conference selection, yeah. A natural talent you are. Uh, so... After you you finished your your lacrosse career, what kind of brought you back to uh, you wanted to be a college coach or just right. a coach in general of basketball? Right. So when I was at Marist, my, my dad growing up outside of Boston, uh, my dad was a coach and an athletic director for a lot of years, for over 20 years. Uh, matter of fact, the high school where he coached and was the AD at, uh, the football field is named after him, after him now. But So I, I grew up around it. You know, as a kid, you're going with your dad and your brothers to games, whatever games. He was always at school doing stuff, as most ADs are. Uh, and through my dad, got to know a lot of his colleagues and friends and coaches and ADs. And and one of them was a guy named Jim Todd. And ironically enough, when I went to Marist, the assistant basketball coach there was Jim Todd. 
Mm. So he kind of kept an eye on him for me. I ended, actually ended up doing uh, an internship with him in the basketball office. And, you know, those days, if you wanted to go play pickup with the team or you wanted to go help them work, there, was, there wasn't the rules that there were now that you could do all this stuff. So it was great for me uh, because I just got, you know, obviously loved basketball and, and got to kind of stay involved in some aspects. So when I got out of college, I went back home and I lived at home like most college guys do, not knowing mm-hmm. what to do, hanging out with my buddies. And, um, yeah, run, not good. Run, run, running the streets. Running the streets. And uh, Jim, Jim Todd left Marist and took a job at Salem State College, which is a Division three school just north of Boston. And, you know, called me up and asked me if I wanted to be, if I would be interested in coaching and uh, wanted to be his assistant. So, you know, I really, honestly, Jamil didn't have a lot going on. It wasn't like my phone was ringing off the hook with offers. Yeah. I know you, again, you're probably shocked at that, but uh, uh, I, Thought it was kind of a cool idea. Didn't have any real idea that I was going to get into coaching at the time. Uh, but kind of always kind of knew I'd be in some way involved with athletics because, you know, just through my dad and growing up with it and that type of thing. So, you know, I think I got paid like 600 bucks, took a job, mm. as, a, a, job as a substitute teacher at uh, Peabody High School right outside of Salem and uh, would go over there, get abused as a substitute teacher. As you can, you got you remember what you used to do when you saw yourself. That's what was happening to me. And then, uh, you know, we'd go over in the afternoons and, and coach at Salem State. And that's when it kind of really started. And I really started thinking about, you know, maybe trying to do this thing long term. Okay. Uh, I like that. But I'm, I'm seeing here now, uh, most of your assistant, uh, most of your coaching as an assistant was all the way in Northeast. It wasn't all in Boston, I'm pretty sure. Uh, you come back to, Northeastern, then New, Newberry. Right. Um, and, uh, I mean, did you want to try to expand outside of your, your comfort zone, your geographic? Um, you know, I, I never really thought about it that much. You kind of go where the offers are. So after I yeah. left, you know, Salem State, I got an opportunity to be a grad assistant coach in Division One in Northeastern. Um, I think J- Jimmy Todd was friends with the head coach, a guy named Carl Fogel at the time, and they were golfing buddies, so... I always say that he must have lost a golf bet. That's how I ended up mm-hmm. at Northeastern. Uh, but the, um, you know, I got that opportunity, went to Northeastern and kind of volunteered really there for two years, just trying to get my foot in the door. Division one was a great experience. Got the first taste of the NCAA tournament because I was fortunate enough to be uh, on the staff that went in 91. And we ended up playing North Carolina in the first round of the, in the NCAA tournament when they had Rick Fox and Pete Chilcutt and, Eric Montrose and King Rice and just a loaded team. So uh, it was kind of cool, uh, but that gig only lasted two years. At that time, the NCA would only let you do that job for two years. That was like a rule. So I had to find another job, and that was Newberry College, and nobody wanted that job. That's how I got that job, you know. So oh. you just kind of take the, the offers the way they come and try and build your resume. Uh, you know, a guy like me, he was just trying to get into business. He doesn't get to choose – what jobs he's taking. Where to go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you try and make the most out of it. But no, and the good thing is my family was in the Northeast, so I got to kind of stay around them and, and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, it just kind of worked out that way. Okay. And um, how, how was, how was New, Newberg? New, is Newberg or Newberry? Newberry. Newberry was uh-huh. a, a two-year school at the time right outside of 
well, I'm in Brookline, Mass., right, I was right over by Boston College, very small junior college. And again, like I, I knew it's all through connections of people. I knew the AD there and they didn't have a gym. They didn't have, I don't even know if we had uniforms <laughs> or it was like, you know, no one wanted the job, but it got at 20, I think I was 24, 25 years old. It gave me the opportunity to try and be a head coach and stay in the business, which was important to me. And uh, it was awesome. I made the most out of it, made great friends. I had a really good gig. I was the basketball coach and uh, I was, if you can imagine this, I was a resident director. Uh, mm -hmm. So I lived, they own property in downtown Boston. So I lived for free right off, off of Commonwealth Ave in Newbury, which is you know as high rent district as you can get. And I watched a house wow. of, uh, of some college kids, which I was terrible at. I didn't even uh, you know, <laughs> do a bad job, but lived for free. And the biggest thing was the parking spot. I got free parking in downtown Boston. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. And I got to, you know, you get to be your own boss. You get to call timeouts. No one cares. No one's watching. No one knows if you make a mistake and you get to figure it out what you like, what you don't like. So it was like a big laboratory of, uh, you know, you could experiment with what you wanted to do. And it was it was a lot of fun. It really was. And it's also big because uh, as a Juco, you, you probably meet a lot of interesting people, uh, interesting, <laughs> interesting players, to be honest. Um, do you have a lot, do you remember, guys, like, a lot of guys like you? Yeah, a lot of guys like uh, you. Do you remember? Uh, any, do you remember any, any good stories about uh, your days as a uh, Juco oh, head man. coach? We had so many of them. It was it was it was <laughs> it was just craziness back then. Um, my first year there, I, we had uh, six guys on the team, and you know, <laughs> trying to get to trying to get to sh them to show up all the time. So we actually went to a trip in Connecticut with six guys, and somehow I don't know how you could do this. Uh, we left one of the guys by mistake at home. <laughs> so Wait. we got, yeah, there's only six guys, not tough, difficult to count. So we're in a van and we're halfway through and someone said like, where's Malik? I think it was, and, and we realized he wasn't on the van. So we get down there and we, we play the game and then a guy gets hurt. So we had to play with four. Oh my for, God. For most of the second half. And uh, because we forgot a guy, but there was, I mean, I, Honestly, there was a thousand stories like that with, you know, just trying to trying to get guys and and uh, well, we had a lot of fun. I had a good group of guys. We were all in our 20s and, and uh, hanging out with each other. And and it, it was actually, uh, uh, you know, a great time and and uh, and a lot of laughs for sure. When you look back at it, how, how would you guys practice just three on three? Just three on three full court? We do. Exactly. Yeah, we do a lot of three on three. <laughs> Exactly how we did a lot of three on three. We ha we had a manager. I'm trying to remember his name because that happened to us a couple times where we had guys foul out, or we'd uh, you know just didn't so have enough bodies. So you were playing with the manager. Or so you what we four? decided to do was put a uniform underneath his regular clothes. He was keeping the book, and we thought it would be really cool if one of the guys fouled out, if he would just stand up and get undressed with a uniform underneath and check himself into the game. So I don't think that ever happened, but that I know we were doing that at one time. Had, he had a uniform underneath the street clothes when he was keeping the book, and we thought it was going to be neat if that actually happened. It would have been perfect if you had a jersey under yours too, and just when they fouled out, you just it's your turn now. It's, I mean, you were still at a pretty young age at the time, so. Well, I remember one of the, I remember one game we were short of bodies, so we grabbed a kid off the football team. Uh, Osric was his name, and. Uh, 
something happened during the game and I, he had like a warm up top over his jersey and I told him to check in just because we needed a body at the time. And I remember he came, took off his warm up top and you know how your your t-shirt underneath has to match the exact color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had like a Ben and Jerry's t-shirt uh, <laughs> underneath his body. He's tie-dye shirts because no one checked his t-shirt and the refs just started blowing their whistle because to make them take off the shirt but now nah, that, that was a lot of fun thousands of stories just like that with, with uh, some crazy some some crazy times and then you took the next step again uh going back to northeastern yeah so i went back as a full-time assistant worked at, at newberry as a head coach uh and I had always run Northeastern's basketball camp, even though they had a couple coaching changes. Um, so I always kind of stayed connected to Northeastern. And really just uh, was right place, right time, which everybody kind of needs a break like that. And uh, they hired a new coach. He wanted someone who was familiar with the Boston area, was familiar with Northeastern, got a chance to meet him and ran his camp for him during the summer and was fortunate enough that he hired me to be a full-time assistant. So that was really kind of a big break for me to get back on the road as a full-time guy and uh, and kind of, you know, get back to get on the road recruiting and get my first taste of Division One recruiting too. A lot of people don't know, know how tough it is to recruit at a D1 level. Uh, can you, like, kind of uh, kind of explain that to the listener or maybe 20 of us? <laughs> all uh, you, Caroline... Uh, <laughs> Tie, couple, of, yeah, couple of, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, man. It's, it's, but it's like anything else, right? You gotta, you gotta get a break, and then you gotta make the most of it, and you make mistakes, uh, you figure it out, you, you try and learn as much as you can. But, you know, rules were different back then too. We really didn't have a calendar like we did. We were out on the road an awful lot, um, and really the, 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 I think the thing was trying to figure out what your boss liked and making sure that you recruited the guys that he liked and the guys, not necessarily the guys you liked. And then, you know, building relationships, that's what recruiting is. It's all about building relationships and, and trying to make contacts and people trusting you. And uh, so there's a lot of misses for sure. There's a lot more misses than there are hits in recruiting or especially early on, but you just keep like anything else. You just keep grinding and hopefully, um, you know, make the context that you need to make and people like your work. And, and that's really what it's about. But it, yeah, you got to, it's like any other profession, finding your way and trying to figure out uh, the best way to do it. Yeah, no, because um, back in the day, you guys didn't have the ESPN top 100. You had to like really focus on uh, scouting services, right? Yeah, we used a lot of the scouting services. And, and you know, there was, uh, I know you're going to find this shocking. Uh, there was no internet back then uh, when I first started. <laughs> So you just couldn't log on. There wasn't the Twitter. There wasn't. So you and, you know, honestly, Jamil, you used your eye. You had to rely on what you thought you were into it a lot more. Um, and I think that helped, you know, uh, just you, you really had to pay attention and watch. Um, and, uh, yeah, it wasn't what it was today for sure. But, uh, you know, I, I think that made me probably a better recruiter is some of those things that I didn't rely on having to do. Just with your gut, with your intuition, and and uh, and figuring it out on your own. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure you also have to uh, go off a lot of uh, hearsay. A lot of people just saying like, like, "Oh, this this person is really good," uh, and then you go there and <laughs> did the opposite, and you just like like you had a, a wasted trip. But you always, always got to find a negative in that positive. So I mean, 
It, yeah, some of the trips is yeah. There's no doubt some of, some of that happened. You go there, or 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 he was good, but he wasn't just what you thought your boss wanted. You know that that was that was some of it too. Um, you know, everybody who calls you as a guy that they like, but doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's necessarily it's going to be a great fit for for the school, even though he could be a good player or your or your head coach. But yeah, there were certainly some some trips that you went on and and uh, and that type of thing. But you're right. Uh, relationships became important because it, there was a trust issue there because you were really yeah. trusting evaluation of a high school coach or an AU coach. Um, and he had to trust you too, that, that you were going to take care of his guys. So I think, I think that part of it, I, I uh, probably miss out on that a little bit because of technology, a little less communication. And, and yeah. you know, you were literally picking up the phone and dialing a number, you know, uh, and you with, had to re- with the yeah, big with like phones a phone. too. Yeah. Ah, you you uh, you were actually had to. It was old school, and you had to take notes, and you had like a note, a date planner, and stuff that you guys you wouldn't even know about any of this stuff. But uh, I mean, yeah. it sounds awful to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't too bad. I mean, I got through. I know it was sounds terrible, but I got through. Yeah, yeah. no, it's old school. So um, as you do your your few years at Northeastern, did you realize that you wanted to go back to uh, becoming a head coach? Obviously, that's everyone's dream, but some people like to stay in that, like, assistant coach spot. They don't want to, they don't want to have all the pressure of being a head coach and figure out right. what to do. But did you understand, like, okay, the next step is I want to become a head coach again? Yeah, I think that was always my goal. Uh, you know, I loved working at Northeastern and loved being in Boston. It was awesome. And, you know, when, you, when you're from there, that area, too, was really cool. But my goal was always, you know, w- once I got to Northeastern, I was really, uh, that's when I started thinking, hey, I'm, this is this is it. This is what I want to do for a career. And, mm-hmm. and I knew it was going to be a grind. And I knew I was going to have to make a lot of personal sacrifices too. But, but I was really enjoyed it. So my goal was to become a head coach. And then, you know, like, how do you kind of build your resume now? And what are important things to to do? Well, one of those things was to get head coaching experience. I never wanted to be uh, going to an inter- interview down the road and say, well, you've never been a head coach. And and even though I was at Newbury, I knew that that would be important to get back to, you know, get more head coaching experience. So uh, a Division II opportunity opened up at uh, the University of New Haven. And I knew some people there. I knew the football coach at the time, and he, he thought it would be a good opportunity for me. And uh, like I said, like Northeastern, uh, but – I wanted to get back to being a head coach, went down there. And the funny story about that is I did not get the job. Mm. Um, so, so I went down, I interviewed, and I came in, like a lot of the jobs, I, I came in second or for the job. <laughs> or, you know, always always a bridesmaid, never a bride. Type of thing. And then, uh, so I went back to Northeastern, it was cool. And I still uh, remember this. That in 2000, I ran the Boston Marathon because you know what great shape and how competitive I am. You, I don't have to explain oh, that. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Um, and I got a, I got done, got back to my house. I was living in Newton, right outside of Boston at the time, and my phone rang, and uh, it was the football coach at University of New Haven. He said, "Hey, you're not going to believe this. That the guy who we hired." Uh, just left to take another job. He never even coached a game. Oh it's like my three, God. It was like three months later, and the AD is going to call you and offer you the job. 
So, <laughs> so I was literally exhausted from running the marathon. And uh, two hours later, the phone rang, the AD called and, and offered me the job, and I accepted the job. Was it an awkward conversation? Well, you know, again, like you can't get caught up on how you get a job. Yeah. 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 You know, the most important thing, uh, there are a lot of good coaches out there and a lot of it's competitive, you know, so I was just yeah, cutthroat. So I was like, you know, hey, man, I'm not going to get my ego involved. And uh, like, you know, I was their second choice. I didn't care about that. I was their choice now. And uh, I was going to make the most of the opportunity. The tough part was really for Janet, my wife, leaving Boston and, and uh, her family was all close, was close and she was a nurse at Boston Medical. So that was really tough on her. But, you know, thankfully, she uh, agreed <laughs> to go with me. And uh, I, 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 feel like, I feel like that's a demise of so many uh, probably young coaches, I think, at the time is that they feel like their first like roadblock of probably not getting a job or something not going their way get fire and they, they like burn those bridges and like lose those connections which can further yeah. help them down the line so i mean some people really do have their ego and like kind of just it's hard to like separate the ego from like the, the, the finish line yeah the, the no, I, I agree with you i think i think one of the things and, and this is true with recruiting too that uh you know when i didn't get the, when i got the call that i didn't get the job at new haven uh, i understood and and, and uh, you know was very thankful for the opportunity to interview i was better because of it because i got a chance to opportunity and i think i the way i handled not getting the job they didn't hesitate to offer me it when it when it opened if i if i had done something differently it probably would have cost a lot of pause or, or they would have gone in a different direction professional um, so, yeah, so so you got to remove your you got to remove, you remove your ego, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a competitive business. There's a lot of good coaches out there, and a lot of guys who want to do what you want to do. And if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, it's gonna be a short career. And and the other part of it is you got to have, you know, and unfortunately, you got to have a spouse or someone who's willing to go on the journey with you because yeah. there's a lot of sacrifice that they have to make too. A really big sacrifice. So, you, how how was your first few years at uh, New Haven? <laughs> well, my first my first year in New Haven, I was a little bit like my first year at at uh, Newbury. We we barely had any guys on the team. So <laughs> you're not gonna believe this, but I actually finished another game with four players when I was. So I've done this several times <laughs> in my career. <laughs> If, if there's a professional league that goes to four guys, I'm, I'm the head. I should be the coach of that team because I have you'll the most. Find, you'll you'll find a way. You'll find right. a way. Find a way. So it was kind of the same thing. You're just trying to build a program. And the weird thing when I got to New Haven, we weren't in a league. It was a Division Two independent job. Uh, so there was no league affiliation. So you would literally take a bus. You're trying to find games, and everybody in the Northeast is in a league. So you're just driving on these bus rides to play anybody, West Virginia, Virginia, Pennsylvania, mm. Maryland. And and when you're scheduling, you have no leverage. So you can't say the guy would say, OK, we'll play you this year, but I don't want but I'm not coming back there next year. Or they'd say we can play on this night and you might have a game on the night before. And you're just taking games to try and fill your schedule. So those first two years we were not in a league so that was really really crazy but then you know we 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 got into a league we started recruiting got some really good players built the program you know like 
just kind of like you've been a part of it, right? You've, you've seen this happen and get the right guys on the bus. And in my, you know, third and fourth year, we were able to go to the NCAA tournament, which they hadn't done in a while. And, uh, you know, it, it became, uh, you know, a great place to, to work. And quite honestly, uh, you know, I might've stayed there the rest of my life if I didn't have the opportunity to go to Stony Brook. I, I really enjoyed being the head coach and, and, and again, was having a lot of fun and the program was heading in the right direction. Speaking of Stony Brook, your, your prime, your prime life. Um, first, I guess I want to know, like, how did you and, uh, coach Pico first meet? Yeah. So, so just, we had kind of been friendly, uh, for many years, just on the recruiting scene, right? You go on the road and, and all these other assistants are there. You guys are all grinding. You're all young. Yeah. You're all trying. And, uh, you know, as you know, Coach Pichel's got a great personality. We became very friendly uh, uh, and always kind of kept in touch, always talked to each other when we were on the road. Uh, and uh, we had a, a, another very good mutual friend named Pat Scurry, who's the head coach at Towson now. Uh, and we kind of connected always through him. So when Coach Pichel left George Washington to get the Stony Brook job, um, he was talking to Pat about someone he wanted to hire, a guy with some experience. And all of a sudden I became an older guy, which was tough. You know, I was a younger guy about four, four years ago now, you know, just a guy who had been around and that type of thing. And, and I had worked with Pat at Northeastern. So Pat was kind of like the, uh, the broker of the deal and, and kind of got mm-hmm. us together. And, you know, at the time I, I knew if I wanted to be a division one coach again, Jamil, that I'd probably have to go back to division one as an assistant. Yeah but wanted to be with the right guy, wanted to be with a guy who was up and coming. And, uh, and, uh, coach Pichel certainly, you know, and a great guy, as you know, he played from, uh, just checked off so many boxes for me. And Stony Brook was one of these, like I, we had, it's weird. We had gone over there and scrimmaged them when I was at New Haven, not knowing anything about Stony Brook. We went over and scrimmaged and I was really impressed with the campus, impressed with the, it was the old arena at the time. And, yeah. uh, yeah, just kind of said, well, boy, this this they got some stuff over here that, that I was really surprised at. And then fast forward a year later, I think it was that same year that uh, coach gets the job and and calls me up and asks me if I'd be interested in the job. So went over and just kind of, again, you know, said, hey, I got to make this move to get to where I want to go. You know, it wasn't like a Long Island. Really, didn't know anything about Long Island other than the Mets, and I hated the Mets, so I didn't really want to live on Long Island. But I, but you know, you you, you got my wife to move again, and went over there, and you know, I I didn't have any idea what that job would be like, but it ended up as you know, because you be in a great place, awesome place to work, made so many friends there, and was there eleven years. You know, till you decide to go for 43 in the championship game, and uh, then we moved to Rutgers about a week later. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised. Of like, I'm. It probably Long Island probably looked way different in 2005 than what it was in 2016. Did you have any favorite spot uh, that you went to over the over the year, over the decade uh, plus? Favorite spot on over in Stony Brook? You mean Port Jeff area? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm just like a simple dude, you know, that. Like, so I'm a burger and beer guy. So I like Tommy's. I just go down there. Any mm-hmm. place on the water during the summer. Was yeah. Really cool. I like going to Danford's, watching the boats come in and, you know, get my blood pressure down because, you know, I can get excited a little bit. But <laughs> that was a fun area. It was a great area. Uh, I'm trying to think. Yeah, there's so many good spots over there. 
Uh, I was just over there, believe it or not, for the first time in a long time because uh, we had to go Bitter, see Boots Bittersweet. Brothers. Bittersweet. Yeah, but it was it, the place has changed. I don't know. The place, a lot of different restaurants, a lot of different shops around there. But uh, no, it was a really fun place to 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 live and uh, still have a lot of good friends over there. People we just kind of met in the neighborhood and people we met in the community. So it was cool. I didn't think I'd be there 11 years and I ended up being 11 years. Yeah, 11 years. So I want to talk about, I mean, obviously you guys start off slow at Sonnenberg because um, just the GPA, you guys, you guys have scholarship. So um, I want to know about two, two recruits in particular, uh, Brian Dewar and Tommy Brenton. Uh, yeah. I have to know. I have to know. Like, how did you guys figure, um, recruited Tommy and Brian? We can talk. We can talk about Brian first. So Brian, um, where did I, so Brian? You know, we, we as you mentioned, we had I think we four games our first year, nine our second year, third seven our third year at Stony Brook. So mm. you're being kind when you said we were off to a rough start. We we're off to an awful <laughs> start, and. Uh, you, you know, we, we all kind of, as you're doing this thing, Jamil, you're just kind of the, the type of the type of kid that you want, the type of balance that you want on your team, the type of players you want. These are all, you know, discussions that just constantly go on and the type of culture you want to build. So our third year there, uh, going, into that, going into year four, we just really wanted, you know, uh, to get back to a certain character, certain type of uh, player obviously a good player as everybody's looking for good players but we, we really want to kind of make sure we bring the right guys on the bus and and uh, i saw brian play one of the hoop group events and i think it was a team camp and uh i first saw him down there at, at the team camp and liked him i mean you know like you do is your guy too so you know he's not passing the look test like he's jumping yeah. out of the gym yeah. <laughs> and uh you know he, he he's looked like he was 14 years old and and uh but man he, he had a great iq and really understood how to play which we needed we needed you know more guys who kind of un understood how to play and uh and really shot it well which is another thing we want to address so just kind of circle his name and and uh, went back, and then I saw him. I went from there to an event at Ryder. I think it would then that was an AAU event. So I think I went to a high school team event. Then I went to an event at Ryder, and I still remember this. They were playing the Morris Twins, whatever AAU team that was. You might even remember what I, I forget what team they were. The Morris Twins, and Brian was uh, running around and just bombing the Morris Twins. Like they had <laughs> no respect for him, and no. And I just remember them coming off a time on Brian had like 30 on these guys. He was just going crazy and they couldn't stop him. And I remember the Morris twins getting in a big argument because I was standing over by their sideline about like, Hey, uh, someone's got to cover the white kid. He's killing us. And, and, uh, and, uh, then, so I, I was really interested after I watched him in that performance, got to know his family really well. And, you know, his dad and mom too, just tremendous yeah. people. And then uh, he was going out to Vegas, but I wasn't going. I was going to Orlando. And mm. Coach, Coach Pico was going out to Vegas and was going to see him for the first time. And I was kind of pumping Brian up. So well, I said. Wait, what, 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 was he on a hot shot at this time? 
the hot yes, sauce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So, you know, they're not playing in the main event. They're playing in yeah, like yeah, yeah. like <laughs> Jim 72 in Henderson. Like, you remember those days. So, so yeah. I said, uh, I said to coach, I said, coach, you got to do me a favor. You got to watch him before you call me and tell me uh, what you think. You got to watch him play three times. You got you to see him play three times. Because if you walk in the gym and watch him warm up, you're probably going to fire me. You know, like saying, uh, what, is, what are you sending me? Yeah, what's this guy look like? And then he called me after he watched him play three times and said he was perfect, great, uh, loved him. And then just kind of went from there, you know, getting him up for a visit. And, and uh, Brian didn't say much back then. He doesn't say much now. But uh, he was really the first piece of uh, of what Stony Brook really turned into. You know, Brian was a huge piece of, of, of him saying yes. I said it was like the kind of the dominoes that, that set off the rest of the program. It, it's, it's funny because uh, I remember it might have been Brian uh, senior year. When him and his team was in states and they were just dominating team, and I was at I was at every state game with uh with my AA coach Mike Keller, and I'm just like, oh, he's got he got to be going high D one right now. He's probably got to he's, he's probably one of the best places I've ever seen in my life. And then everyone's like, oh no, he's on Stony Brook. I'm just like, what's what's that? Like who, who, like is that D two? Right. And and right. fast forward it and see how like the time happened. It's it's, it's yeah. funny to just see that. So I remember uh, I remember that run because I was ironically the I went to obviously Coach Peichel's press conference at the rack. The time that he and I were both at the rack before that was for Brian State Championship game. So we went to the oh, rack. Amazing. We went to the rack for a state championship game, which they won. And the next time we were in the rack was for Coach Peichel's uh, press conference. We got the breakfast job. Yes, it's crazy. Yeah, I, I want to know. Uh, I want to know what were your thoughts about uh, Tommy? Because I, I know, I know, I knew Tommy for the one year we had, and obviously um, we talked uh, sometimes over the years. But just obviously his personality is one of a kind, and uh, his skills, his skill set was one of a kind too. So can you like explain more about like what kind of dynamic he brought to your your, your team? Yeah, Tommy was the most, and I say this to this day, the most unique player I've ever coached. Probably one of the more unique personalities I've ever coached. Um, and, you know, the connection between him and Brian being great friends, too, really helped the chemistry on the floor, too, because those guys were so tight. And they came, Tommy came later. Brian was one of the first guys to commit, and Tommy came in the spring. But I credit Dan Ricard for kind of, I guess, discovering Tommy, uh, because he, it, you know, Tommy played at Hargrave military and they were loaded, Jamil. They had, they were just loaded. Uh, and they, Coach Peichel, I remember Coach Peichel and, uh, and Dan went to see him practice after one of our games down there. I think we were playing UMBC and they just drove to, to see Tommy practice. And they came back and, you know, obviously Tommy did some stuff that you liked in practice, but he never shot the ball, never tried to <laughs> score. And so it's different, right? And and scoring, we were looking for someone who could kind of make some baskets at the time. And it's difficult for you to kind of believe in a guy who averages two or three points a game. You know, I'm yeah. sure it was more than that, but he really never looked. He was so unselfish. Um, so what happened was uh, we had, I don't know if we had offered him at the time. I, I kind of forget how, how the sequence goes, but Tommy was up at Fordham University playing in this national championship for prep schools. So it was all the powerhouses. It was the Brewsters. 
you know, the, the, uh, the, the, uh, New Hamptons, the, uh, Putnam mm-hmm. sciences. I don't even know if Putnam was the, the powerhouse back then, but it, it was all the, the heavy hitters on the, on the prep school scene. Yeah. And, uh, Tommy's team, like I said, they ended up winning the whole thing. It tells you how good that they were. So I went with coach Pikel the first night to see him play. Uh, I don't know if Dan was with us or not, but we, again, it, it, you know, they never took him off the floor. That was the one thing that always, with all these guys, Jamila, they had all these high major guys that were going everywhere. Tommy never left the floor. And Kevin Keats, who's now the head coach at North Carolina state was his, was his prep school coach. And that always kind of stuck out to me. And you, you, you got a glimpse of some of the stuff that he could do. Yeah. Um, But you still didn't get the whole package. But he was guarding the best player on the other team, and the best player on the other team was a high major kid because you know these they're probably fifty high major guys in this tournament. So I went back the second night again. I think coach was with me the second night. Watched him again, and still just just kind of really tough to come away with like you know a great evaluation on him because you know the guy's not shooting at all, not even looking to score. And then we were playing somewhere, and I think I went back the third night on myself by myself to watch him and really you know it was just a matter of I love some of the things and and again a lot of credit to Dan with this that he did but I don't think any of us knew what we were getting at the time I I didn't we 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 loved his how hard he played we loved uh the way his feel for the game and again we were trying to address IQ at the time there's no question about that uh and the fact that he defended I really like that you know but I think it, all of us would, would be lying if we said, fast forward five years later, that we had a guy, in my mind, he's the only player that I've ever been around who could dominate a game without scoring a basket. You know, and, uh, uh, you know, he, he was just a, a unique kid and a, and a unique player. Yeah, I think kind of put light on uh, the glue guy situation, like the glue guy, the glue guy player, like, Back in the day, people weren't happy if you got seven, six, and eight. But you put that in a 40-minute college game, he's helping your other uh, valuable scorers get easy buckets. And I know with my first year there, he, he spoon-fed me a lot of points. And right. just and he, did, he did a lot of stuff on the court that, even though it didn't show up in a stat sheet, it, it helped win games. And with you guys, again, Tommy uh, and Brian Dewar, you guys started – improving your wins and you start getting into the deep of the Mercury's tournament and that's where it all started. Well the other guy who came at that same time was Muhammad El Amin. Yeah, Mo, well, definitely we Mo. Hired, we hired uh, Lamar Chapman who, who bought him uh, with him from Michigan. And again, you know, Mo it was like a puzzle that you put together, right? And and it, and Mo was like the now became like he finished the puzzle because you had the guy, you had the cerebral point guard and Brian who could really shoot and, and, uh, and good IQ. And, and, and Tommy, we just talked about him, how unique he was. And Mo was the bucket, right? Mo was the guy who could go get yourself a bucket at any time, any point you didn't have to call a play for him at all. Um, and, you know, a big guard and ended up being in the MVP of the league yeah. uh, his senior year. And then you throw in another guy like Dallas Joyner, who, who a uh, crazy recruiting class. Were, were they all in the same recruiting class? Yes, they were wow. all in the, 
recruiting class. Uh, it's funny. There was another kid in that class named Kelvin Martin. I don't know if you remember that name. We might have talked about him. Was he, he the, the lefty? Kind of lefty? Uh, yeah. Big, I think guard. Lefty. I can't, and he originally committed to, verbally committed to us too, and then got out of it because he was down, for, he was a kid from Georgia. And he ended up, I think, being defensive player of the league and MVP of the league at uh, uh, whatever the conferences they played down in college at Charleston, too. I mean, oh, wow. uh, Charleston. So, so even without even without him, it was an incredible class. And again, that was the springboard for for all the success that they had at uh, at Stony Brook. Yeah, and uh, then <laughs> you made that faithful call, and uh, what it might have been twenty eleven. Uh, you call some three star out of Plainfield, New Jersey. Uh, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, that's really a dark, dark moment and chapter in my life that I was trying to forget. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I think I'm trying to think whether it was, I think it was Kevin Dewar, Brian's dad, maybe had seen you play at one of the tournaments and gave me a call on you and uh, uh, and then followed up with our guy Mike, who we were close with because of Brian's recruiting and uh it just uh, yeah I don't remember where the first call you I'm sure you were not interested in hearing it from Stony Brook or or had no idea who the hell I was at the time or who even cared so I'm sure it was a short phone call uh but slowly and uh you know we built a relationship and we had a relationship already built in with the doers and with uh with Mike and and uh you were not the most conversation was not your strong point back then you know, uh, so uh, it wasn't an easy guy. You weren't an easy guy to, to recruit. But, uh, yeah, so that was one of the first calls your junior year. And then we went and saw you play and kind of took it from there. I think I was – I think I was maybe the last guy to see you play out of the staff. I think maybe Dan went down first. You might remember. And then Coach Peichel and maybe me. I don't know. I don't know how yeah, the sequence – I'm, I'm pretty sure Dan came to see my, my game. I'm pretty sure you called me first and then Dan went and saw my first. Like, I think it was my state game my junior year. But I, I remember, uh, I think it was like a foregone, like a foregone, like conclusion that I was going to go to Ryder. And I was going to verbally commit sooner or later. It was just a matter of time. And then out of nowhere, I get a six three one call from you. I'm just like, hey, not going to wait a couple of weeks now. It's not, it's whatever. And then yeah, you were you, know, like, you were close. We were we were behind. Was, yeah, we were late to the party. Yeah, we were we were late to the party. And I remember telling Mike that we need to get you up here. We need so Mike did us a solid. And, uh, you know, he threw you in the car. You probably, I'm sure you slept the whole way. You're probably pissed that you would have to come take a visit to Stony Brook. And then we got you up here, and I think that you walked around and were just, well, you, you can answer this. You're probably surprised at how nice it was and what we had going on. And and, and that's kind of opened the door for us there. But you're right. We were late to the party with that one. Obviously, was uh, as seen from far, how you guys took care of Brian Dewar. I was, and talking to him about those times, I was yeah. like, ah, I, I might need, I might need to check it out. And then when I committed to you guys, that's when the fun really begins. And uh, I, I, I want to, I want to skip. I want to talk about our freshman class though, because I feel like that was on par with your was it 20, 2017, 2007 recruiting class or twenty eight? It was one of those years right. uh, with Carson Purefoid, uh, me, uh, Ahmad Reed, uh, Ryan Burnett, and. Um, Ken Mitchell coming in like kind of in January. Uh, what what was your thought about that recruiting class? Yeah, so you know it's kind of funny that you're you're right. There was like these two different huge recruiting classes that we had, right? That kind of backed up. And I said we 
at the mid-major level where it's tough to, you know, kind of retain guys and, and keep them, we were doing that, which is a credit, obviously, to Stony Brook, the place it was, and Coach Beichel. Um, and we had – it was always like the passing of the torch, right? Dallas kind of gave it to you. And then, you know, Brian left and Trey came in. And, and uh, you know, so there was always – kind of building on one class from another. So you're, you're right. Uh, that class that, that you ended up, you know, being a great class for four years. And then we built around it too with, you know, guys who were in the transition from both classes, guys like Eric McAllister. Yeah. And, uh, and then Ray came, when did Ray come? Ray, Ray came, came soft, uh, my sophomore year, but he was, I think he was a red shirt. Yeah. So I my freshman year, we had, me, the people who were really playing a lot of minutes were me, Carson, and then we started uh, the older vets, uh, Dave Cooley, Anthony Jackson, Marcus Rouse, Lenny Hayes. And those guys, those guys had kind of paid their dues with that other group. Those guys were coming yeah. back. That other group paid their dues. And, uh, yeah, those are great names because, like, guys like AJ came in and sat behind Brian Dewar for for two years and then came in and had really good two years for us. And, and Dave Cooley, same thing, was a backup and then be you know, uh, got to play once those guys left. So there was a really good transition from one class to another. And those those kind of bridge guys, the guys who necessarily weren't, quote, the stars, but were uh, great players around you, those were just as important as, as some of the guys who got all the all the notoriety like you and, and some of the other guys. But uh, they, they meant a lot. And they were all really good players, too, you know. Uh, and... We lose. We well, we lose to Albany in the semifinals, my freshman year, and then sophomore year. What 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 a great year! Uh, I think you and me had <laughs> problems every other day. Uh, you just, I think, I think you kicked me out of maybe a combined of fifteen practices that that year. Uh, <laughs> That's an, coach would have kicked me out if I kicked you out of fifteen practices. I would have. He, I would have been the next guy gone for sure if I kicked you out of that many. I think I booted you out of a few and well deserved. First of all, that's like you probably should have been booted out of fifteen, and you only got booted out of two or three. That's, that's I probably think, accurate. I think I think the funniest uh, me getting kicked out story was um, we doing individuals. So you have us doing mic ins, and I'm just going through the emotions. I'm just. Uh, layup, layup. I might be missing layups too. It's just, it is what it is. And you, you blow your whistle. You say in some choice words, "Get out!" And I grabs the, I grab the ball, and I throw it through the other door. And oh my god, it's just to see how far we came for those those times is, is, is amazing. I remember coach. I remember coach Pike walking in. You know, and this, I remember that. Um, I, I I think I remember you tossing the ball, uh, but I, th I think Coach walked in like that was right at the beginning, wasn't it? Right, like, like yeah, like, it was. Yeah, not even I, start. I, 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 I was I was there for at least five minutes, and then right. Done. So at least you're smart. If you're gonna get thrown out, do it in the first five minutes, right? Don't wait till the last five. Because so you, you, you made me come. You definitely made me, you definitely made me come back the next morning. <laughs> I did. I did made you come back the next morning. So. Uh, I, I can remember coach walking in like 10 minutes later and, and I just saw him and uh, his head was on a swivel, like looking for you. <laughs> and I, I forget who he asked at the time, like, where's the dip? Where's, you know, where's the dip? <laughs> and 
I don't, who was our director of ops at the time? Uh, was it was Ricky it? Lucas? Ricky, Ricky Lucas. And I think Ricky must have said to him, uh, "Yeah, Coach Young threw him out." And just the look on his his face, like, <laughs> "What the hell is he doing?" And uh, I remember talking to him after practice, and I said, uh, "Yeah, don't don't worry about it. I'll get him back." To, and that was like our relationship, right? We were like boyfriend and girlfriend that uh, we'd make up quickly. And I remember just texting you after it. I didn't say a whole lot, and I just said, "I'll see you." I think it was 7 a.m. the next day. <laughs> I see you at six. I'm like, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, and and you just you just uh, hit me back. All right, and then um, <laughs> came back at came back at six, and we and we knocked it off. I also I do want to. I wish that we could talk about that more, but I also just want to talk about uh, that special season, um, 2015, 2016. Um, kind of, I think that's probably one of the best teams uh, that we had as as a at the university, at the college, uh, do you like had any like funny, funny stories or fun stories about those that year? You're talking about the the championship year. That I get my year screwed up, or the or the year before. Yeah, the champ, champ, championship, championship championship year. So, help me out with this because you know I'm getting old. So I, I remember this. That was the year we won like 18 in a row. Right at one point, it was yeah. that. Was that? But yeah. but before that, we take the Euro trip. Right, we take uh, yeah, <laughs> we, take trip, we take the trip to to we go to Munich and then to, then to uh, Italy, uh, and you know you didn't want to be out of the country. You were cranky the whole time. Like oh, it was it was ten long days. Yeah, man, just just like we wanted to go like see. Uh, I I don't know where we were going in Rome, and I asked you to like, hey, why don't you come take a walk? We're gonna go see, you know. Every everything in Rome is just overwhelmingly historic yeah. and exciting, and you were like, uh, "I think I'm gonna go play video games in the room <laughs> or something like that." Like, I wanted to kill you, but um, that was the year, right? We start off at at Vanderbilt and losing overtime. Yeah, right. Yeah. Same but, year, but, right? Yeah, but yeah, but we're we're on a high horse. Like, we we just lost to Vanderbilt by like three. Right, we're losing overtime. You was you was so pissed at me because I gave up an offensive rebound of Luke Cornett to pop out three to Riley LeChance. That's right. And Trey <laughs> tied it. Trey tied it at the buzzer in regulation. Then we go. And yeah. Then the next, like two days later, we play at Western. Western Kentucky. Oh. And Lucas gets hurt. Right. Lucas doesn't play because he gets hurt versus. And we lose again on a cl- close game. Yes. Then I think we we come back. We win a couple. And then we lose to Northeaster. Yeah, so we lose to Northeast, and, and do we? And we got was that? Do we get pounded at Notre Dame or something early too? Was that? Oh, was that yeah. That same? Oh yeah, it was. Um, when uh, I think after the, at the Vanderbilt game, so we we're like all, we're feeling ourselves, and um, who who was there at the like after our shoot around? Who was just like pumping us up? He was a. Uh, it might have been Fran Priscilla, and he was yeah. just like he was just he was just like, you guys can take him. Like you guys are really good. You guys. You guys, you guys got it. Like, just keep on playing hard. You guys gonna be determined, no problem. And then we go out and lay an egg against Northern. <laughs> right. So I, this is what I remember off that trip that, that year, and a lot of funny stories off that year. But uh, we got back off the Northeastern trip, and you're right, we got we got beat pretty good. And they they were good, but we yeah, we, really good. We, we we were awful and not playing well. I I think we had a losing record at the time. Uh, so. so we, I, 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 Take it that far. Take it that far. Well, we had lost it. We had lost to Vanderbilt. We had lost to 
uh, Notre Dame. We had lost to Western Kentucky. This was, and so we probably did have a losing record at the time. I because that was still in our non-conference early, and I remember getting off. You're, the bus. you're, you're, you're forgetting we played like eight D three teams. <laughs> yeah, we the record that year, but it, anyway, whatever it was, it wasn't going well. So we get off yeah. to Northeastern, and coach is miserable, just miserable. Mm-hmm. We got this good team coming back, the team that lost in the championship last year, and everybody's picked us. You know, there's some pressure, and we got off to a bad start, and it could have been a great start. We get off to a bad start, so we get back to campus at Stony Brook. And you guys are never part of these meetings because you, you just get to go home and and he wants to meet. And it's late. It's already late when we get back. And he wants to meet in the film room with the coaching staff. And, you know, I, I've, I've made this mistake myself. You know, you're emotional and, and, and nothing, no good ideas really come out of those meetings, right? When you're emotional and you've just... Yeah. So we sat around to, I don't know how early in the morning it was the next day and finally got home i'm sure one or two in the morning and coach was like you know we, we gotta get this thing around we're not gonna have like a good year and what's gone wrong we went to we spent the money to go to you know all this stuff that everybody's chipping you know yeah chipping in and then we went up and and after that i think that's when we started was it 16 or 17 in a row what was yeah, that I, I, I think i think 17 or 18 yeah, seventeen or eighteen, everyone had the longest winning streak in the we're, country. We're, we're, just, we're, just ro- we're just rolling through conference play too, and then everyone, everyone kind of get big headed. And I mean, I, as as it happened, you're eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty one. You're you're you know, ESPN at the number one winning streak in, in the country. You're bound to get big headed. And then, yeah. Um, well, I think I'm gonna ask you, what was your emotion like uh, during that week of the the tournament, the America East tournament? You know, it was so we go into that tournament again um, and you had played in three championship games, uh, two championship games, and we had yet to win one. And I'm like, you know, uh, not to make your head any bigger than it is, but I'm like, you know, we've got this iconic player and we can't let him go out with we can't let him go with a championship. And, you know, certainly wanted to win for all for all the guys. And then I want to win one for coach, too, because he had been so close before. So, um you know, when you when you, there is some pressure on you, especially when, uh, you know, you have you've gotten that game before and you haven't been successful. But, you know, uh, every team in the league would, would kind of want to do what we did over the last six or seven years. But we, the one thing, was, well, one thing that was missing, obviously, off that was an NCAA uh, tournament. So you get to that game and, you know, everybody knows how it started. We're down, we play awful. Then we're down at halftime. What was it? Fourteen, Jamil? Was it fourteen? Uh, I think it was down. We were down ten at halftime, and then went with fifteen minutes left in the second half. We're down fifteen. Yeah. So I remember, just like everybody's a little stunned, right? Everybody's like, and 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 you, you can't you, be you, honest, you, and you can hear right. a pin drop in that arena, right? And you know, everybody says, well, you don't get that feeling, like here we you try and block that out, but everybody's like. Oh my God! This can't be happening again. That we'll get to this game and we're not successful. And uh, you know, I, I think again, credit to coach who's pretty positive at halftime. Yeah. I even think I was positive, if you remember, and that's that was a rarity, which, which was insane. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So uh, I was trying to trick you guys, and uh, and then uh, you know whatever came over you in the second half, uh, and and uh, the other guys, we you know you went berserk and and. Uh, 
next thing you know, we're cutting down a net and a great day. That was a, that was a lot of fun that day. It was a lot of fun. And then obviously we go to the NCAA tournament and we get a <laughs> good old Kentucky draw. Uh, we had to play Kentucky. And did you have, did you have that scout? I, I, I did. did. Yeah. That. yeah. Oh yeah. my God. And, and just like, <laughs> I, so I, I just remember. I, I did a bad job. Uh, kind of. I mean, <laughs> uh, we, we we were stacking off Isaiah Briscoe, <laughs> and then we just yeah, like right. we a, straight, a straight a straight line to the rim. Yeah, I know he's making threes on us. Yeah, Ollie, yeah. Ollie, who's the kid? Tyler Tyler Ulis, Tyler right? Ulis, yes. We we couldn't even get the ball over half court. The guy. Oh was such my god, he was right. such a ball hawk, and he, he was a dep- the DPOY in the SEC as as five seven five eight against it was, it was crazy, but um, just the experience uh, being there. Um, how do you feel? Because we were probably kind of like one of the hot stories in America at the time. Yeah. We CBS. Uh, we was there for a few hours. Um, obviously, a lot of people had us as like the upset favorite against that team. Which I mean, you saw us at the whole year. It, it was kind of. It was obvious we could have done something. Just the matchup kind of wasn't right. Yeah. How, how, how did you feel like about those like few days that you had to like enjoy that moment and just soak in, soak it in? Yeah, it was awesome. It was great, great for the community. The community was going crazy. I remember the next day. Uh, this is this is how big it was. I stopped at the same Dunkin' Donuts every single morning for like 14 years, right, mm-hmm. to get a cup of coffee on my way to Stony Brook. Was, and I'd always have something Stony Brook shirt on and the day after we won the tournament i knew i was big time because i got free coffee for the first time (laughs) so so uh you know it was great for the community and it was really it was the perfect storm with us playing kentucky because of the publicity that we were getting uh and even though it wasn't the kentucky the great teams the you know the one or two seats that going in it was i mean jamal murray and we're still really 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 good team um so the, the, it couldn't have been better from a publicity standpoint uh, and for an exposure standpoint for you and for the uh, university. Yeah. I think like, you know, you know about this stuff, but when we, when we clinched, we were for a couple hours like the number one trending search on, yeah, yeah, 100%. on, uh, on Twitter because no one knew what Stony Brook was until <laughs> we went to that NCAA tournament. So it was, I mean, you can't even put a price tag on that type of exposure. And playing Kentucky was great. And we actually... I remember we defended them really well in the first half. They had an awful. We just couldn't score. We just couldn't score. And then we when they started scoring, when, when they started scoring, yeah. we just couldn't. We just still couldn't score. Exactly. So. Exactly. So we. I remember the first half. We kind of did what we wanted to do defensively. We just. Yeah. You know, obviously it was different type of size, and you had the great game against them too. I thought that helped you a lot. They ended up double teaming you, and. Uh, but yeah, it was a great, great weekend and a great, great uh, run there that we had, and I was. Uh, Happy for everybody. Happy for happy for everybody who would work so hard to get there. Yeah. So after that, it's kind of it was kind of a hectic few days after that. You would say uh, with so much turnover with um, Coach Pico going to Rutgers and just like so much uncertainty going on with everyone in the coaching staff, and then you ultimately joining Coach Pikes uh, at Rutgers. Uh, what kind of led you to that? Well, I mean, honestly, what led me to it is I didn't get the job at Stony Brook. <laughs> so, so I needed a job, you know, like I was either going to go with Coach Pike or I was going to be out of work. Um, uh, so, 
you, you know, it was it was a wild time. And I knew I tell this funny story to everybody. I knew coach was, you know, coach and I grabbed like a cup of coffee the next morning when everybody was sleeping. And yeah. I knew he was involved with uh, the Rutgers job and a couple other people interested in him as they should have been. I just never really spent enough time to get the details of, hey, I'm going here this time. I'm going there this time. We talked very generally about the next few days. So when we got off that bus on Friday night, Jamil, I real I knew he was going to meet with Rutgers. I didn't know when, where, whatever. I didn't realize it was going to be Saturday morning next morning. So my wife was up in Boston. First day I slept in and like slept in for me is like eight o'clock. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm just like, man, this is going to be a great day. I got the dogs. The dogs want to go for a walk. It was like a nice day. Grab my cup of coffee and I leave my cell phone on the uh kitchen table and just yeah. i'm out for like an hour and a half with the dogs just enjoying the day like feel great we're just coming off the kentucky thing <laughs> just don't. and i get back and i'm just kind of screwing around the kitchen i hear the cell phone just keep buzzing and it's buzzing like i'm saying this is weird that i'm getting so many texts and i get my phone and there's like you know 50 messages from people that coach had taken the rector's job <laughs> and i'm like oh my god this is nuts this is just nuts um, and like I said, I knew he was going to meet with them. I just didn't know it was that next morning. There's so many people around on that trip, as you remember. It's just difficult yeah. to really get some quality time to talk. So I just didn't know it was the next morning. And it happened so quick. And I don't think Coach even realized that it was going to happen that quick. It just did. So, yeah, it was wild. Uh, you it's, left it's, it's, it's insane because um, I remember – like obviously you hear whispers uh, during the season. We're on a winning streak, hot, uh, winning a couple games. So you, you hear uh, Coach Pipo's name get linked in with a couple, a couple high major teams. But I, I remember vividly, um, like after that, I, I knew something was going to change, but I didn't know like it was going to happen that fast. Right. <laughs> so they, they, well, I, don't, I, I don't think anybody did. I, I don't even know if Coach did. I really don't. I, I you know, it just happened that quickly. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, it was wild. It was wild. Um, so I, was, I wasn't I was shocked that he was going to Rutgers. I was shocked mm-hmm. at when it happened and how quickly it happened, you know. And then, you know, as, as you said, it was, uh, you know, kind of chaotic. But, week or but so after. It, it, it's, it's hilarious, though. I, I think me and uh, Tyrell and Aquadi were talking about this on the, on the last podcast. Uh, like, every time Evan, we had a, uh, Evan, listen to that. <laughs> every time... We had another meeting. We got a text message. Another meeting. Uh, Coach Young. Another meeting. Dave Van Dyke. Another meeting. Uh, Coach Ricard. Another meeting. Uh, it's just, every time it was like a, like y'all was getting voted off the island and going with Pikes right. and Rutgers. So it was just like it was like I right, who, like, who's who's like who's Survivor. Who's yeah, it was like Survivor. We just it's, it's funny because I think uh, after you guys had like your like your goodbye speech and all that, like maybe like three weeks later, Rich was like, "Okay, yeah, I'm going to Rutgers now too." And I was like, "Wait, what?" They're taking everybody. And um, yeah. I I remember um, you, me, uh, Brian Dewar, and Carson Pierfrey went up to see Pikes at uh, his press conference at Rutgers. Right. Yeah, we took the van. Yeah. Like like, I think just on a personal level, you guys, your friendship, and just like you guys known each other for a long time now. Like, what was what was your feelings to that? Like, you had to be really excited for that. I was super excited for him, you know, and I, I, uh, I thought Rutgers obviously made a great choice and he was the perfect guy to build the program because he had done it, you know, 
at different places and been mm -hmm. around it. And Rutgers at the time, and you remember it because you're from New Jersey, was really uh, neat uh, and neat. A, a, a laughing, a laughing stock, yes. Really in need of the right guy, and I thought that they found it. I was happy for him and, and Kate and the whole family because that's, you know, he he would always always talked to me about you know being in a place where he thought he could win a national championship. That was his ultimate yeah. goal. And I thought he, you know, eventually I knew he he would get there and he did so yeah no i was really happy for him and and uh all his hard work and you know we had been through a lot together with wins losses personal stuff a lot of that stuff though so it was a great day it was a lot of fun and um you know to have the jersey guys there you and trey to have <laughs> was cool too because you know coach would be the first one to tell you it's it's about the players that's that's how he got there you know if you don't have the right players and the right people you don't get to where you want to go so you know he'd be the first to tell you that yeah and then a couple of days later you join them and then you guys are off to try to rebuild Rutgers um can you tell me the first few months of being at Rutgers first of all what's the first few months of getting a new job you have to like live in a hotel um, right rent, rental car probably like I mean obviously you're so close you probably use your own car um and just it's it's chaotic and like like how do you feel about that like like what did you do to like kind of uh ease your time in well it was it was you know it was like you know being tasered you just <laughs> you know like you, it just hits everything hits you right that you got to move now to new jersey and you've been in a place 11 years jamil it's not like you were there three years so you have so many personal relationships with people at Stony Brook, like all the people who work there and all the friends that you made and your wife is, you know, emotional like crazy. Now you are, the, the, the positive is that you're going with the guy that you work with 11 years. So that yeah. it's not like I had to I'd pick up and, and we had so many, you know, great relationships with, with coach and his family, but it was still moving to New Jersey. It was still, uh, you know, moving to Rutgers is unknown. So it's just, people say, think that you, you, pick up and you just get there well there's the whole personal aspect that they forget about yeah. like you know with your family and that type of stuff so it you know it was a, it was emotional leaving stony brook but again you know it uh i say this all the time it rutgers turned out to be probably the best three years that i needed for myself professionally um and i get met so many fantastic people at rutgers um there actually are really good people in new jersey and you know, <laughs> uh and and just so again so many great relationships and being part of a build and best conference in the country uh was really really cool so you, when you look back on it you had you know a lot of ups and downs and, and some disappointments but it all kind of worked out um you know like it should have like it should have i got a great job and spent three unbelievable years at rutgers that that were a lot of fun and and uh but it was I remember that first practice, man. I remember like calling my wife and like saying, oh my God, like this is not going to be good. And uh, you look up at the banners, right? You're, you're working out and you're looking up at the banners and you see Indiana and Michigan State and Michigan and, and you're like, yeah, one, one bad a week. Oh, it's, it's, right, it's, right. You're right. playing against a lot of NBA prospects and a lot of like four year, like really good players. Yeah, it was crazy how good that league was um, and still is, obviously. But it, no, it, it worked out great. Ended up having three really good years in New Jersey, and and uh, you know, fortunate that uh, that my time finally came, and I got a shot at, at this thing.
Yeah, uh, I, it is cool uh, to see that. Um, even though you didn't you didn't get the Stony Brook job, you went to Rutgers, and um, with that kind of exposure now too. Um, ooh, I think we lost you. No, I'm here. Okay. Uh, with the exposure from um, uh, being in the Big Ten, you kind of get linked into all the success stories about Rutgers. Um, obviously, the first few years there, you guys are you guys are losing a lot of games, but you guys are kind of playing the style of you know Pike's toughness, rebounding, defense, and it was great to see people uh, kind of embrace you as the new defensive guy who's. Even though you have you have a lot of good defensive players uh, in me, uh, what two time <laughs> DPOI? So, uh, oh boy, 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 uh, Miles My, Johnson, a uh, whole bunch of whole bunch of great defenders. Um, but a lot of people started to kind of put you on notice as kind of a defensive guru, and then your time finally came with Fairfield, um, and. Obviously, everyone was elated when uh, you got we we heard the news of you and Fairfield or you finally uh, getting offered to go to Fairfield. And um, even a lot of people at your press conference too. A lot of people from um, maybe Rutgers, Stony Brook. I remember yeah. I, I drove up from New Jersey to to see it. Uh, yeah, that was something about the pro- the biggest surprise was you actually getting car <laughs> and driving to New Jersey. I, I think I had to, told you yeah, I'd take you out the. Lunch. Yeah, no. You said you, you said you think about the lunch, and so I was like, okay, I'll I'll go. Yeah. Uh, I want I, I want to know because uh, I haven't like really was in I wasn't in depth with the thing. Um, what was the process like uh, for you in uh, Fairfield to kind of intertwine? Well, you know, when the job opened, um, I thought it would be a good match for me because it was a job that was in New England. It was a job that. Uh, I was familiar with. I had a niece that actually went to school here, and and then I had a relationship with the athletic director, which was huge. Mm-hmm. You know, I certainly wouldn't be here without that relationship with him. But that relationship, you know, gets your foot in the door because he's he gets to witness what you did firsthand, right? It's like anything else, uh, you got an advantage because he saw your d- daily work. Um, yeah. When I was at Stony Brook, but by by no means did that get me the job then you got to go get the job right so it's really it was going through the whole process search committee a uh, couple times up here interviewing meeting the president the the whole grind of of just trying to get the thing uh and again these things are so competitive and i got a really good job which makes it even more competitive so you know it was you know a lot of sleepless nights you know? <laughs> Wondering if you answered this question the right way that, you know, and all things that go through your head as you're trying to get these things. And, and fortunately for me, uh, like I said, I was uh, I was able to get this job and and and, uh, and get a really good job. Yeah. And so you get there your first year and you, you see improvement. Uh, you guys finish uh, eighth in the stand in. Uh, but it's your first it's your first first get at it as a as a D one head coach. Like every day, probably felt like a blessing for you and a privilege to uh, lead the young men into um, battles and uh, teaching them a way of life. Um, so I want to talk about your COVID year. Uh, <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of a weird year for you. Um, you guys finished seventh, but you guys make it to the finals against Rick yeah. Pitino and Iona. Like right. that's 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 a crazy story and a crazy like. 
you guys like tough through it. Like a lot of people probably didn't. A lot of people like wanted to go home at like late in March, and but you guys just said, "I'm going to try to track the world here and try to get to the tournament." And for that to be your first step, like two years in, and you're already knocking on the door of a, a finals, and you're versing a legend in Rick Pitino. How, how did you feel about that? Well, you know, it was a crazy year, as you mentioned. It was a crazy year in college basketball, not just for me, but after your first year in the program there's usually some turnover and and we we had that so we recruited some new guys uh so i think eight of our scholarship players were new last year and then there's no summer right COVID hits and there's no there's no summer so there's no chemistry there's no building there's no there's nothing going on and we get back in september and again uh, just kind of get slammed with COVID issues on the team on the campus like a lot of people. So our ability to practice was really hampered. I mean, we, we were just no consistency in practice and very limited practice time with mm-hmm. eight new scholarship guys. So I thought the start of our season and, and two of our better players were also ineligible at the time with, with mm-hmm. Zach and, and Jake because the NCAA didn't change the rule to about nine games into making yeah. everybody work. So it was chaotic is the best word I, I use in, in you know, you're getting tested every three days and mm. phones, you're waiting at night because the test results come in at night. So I'm up at like two o'clock in the morning and like watching the ticker, you know, watching your phone. Okay, he's, yeah. in, he's in, and like, okay, we're good for tomorrow. And uh, anyway, it was, it was, and, and I've said this too, probably a really poor job by me trying to do too much with too many new guys and limited practice time. So Although it was super frustrating, we got off to a two and eleven start, and I was like super frustrated, really more myself than the team. I didn't think our talent was bad. I thought we were just disconnected, uh, didn't have a lot of co- cohesiveness. And I thought if we could just get practice, practice, and you've kind of been around me, you know, like we value practice. It's yeah. it's, it's what we do. It's what we we need to do, and and uh, it's the grind, it's the torture of practice that I love, uh, and. Uh, once we got in a rhythm of doing that, we kind of changed the direction of our season and we started playing better. And I think we finished eight and four uh, to finish the season. But going into that tournament, we were playing pretty good basketball. And I thought that if things broke right, you know all the stuff that needs to go right for you. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to get the right matchups. You need a little luck. You need the little tournament fairy dust to fall on you, and and then the ball bounced the right way. But I thought we were good enough to go down there and win that thing. I really did. A lot of things were going to have to go right, but we we as a group on the bus, and right before we got down there, said let's like, we're coming back with this trophy. We're not coming back to. There's no moral victories. There's no. We, we want we got one goal on us to come back with this trophy and we fell short of that we fell short of that so i'm really proud of the run that we made and how well we played and it was a great week but i tell everybody that's not what we wanted we went down there to do we went down there to win that tournament now we got to get back there and, and try and win that game again that's, that's all about just trying to get better and try to improve and one day you're gonna you know host that uh championship up hopefully this is with fairfield um and I have, I have one last question. Uh, it's kind of a fun question for me. I was going to say, because uh, everybody has turned this off about 10 minutes. So you and I are just, like, talking to each other right now. It, it's, pretty, it's pretty much just a FaceTime now. But, uh, <laughs> right. you know, you know, you know, Bernie going to watch this. So he wants to soak every minute up. Uh, I just want to ask this last question. Um, and 
your whole life of coaching, I want to hear your starting five of everybody, your all-time starting five. Well, some of these guys you might not know. It's your starting five. As a head coach or as an assistant? As a coach. Boy, oh boy. I only got five. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm gonna start uh, off. I, I, I'll, I'll give you a six man too. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna hurt some guys' feelings because there's so many good players I've coached, but um I'm gonna go uh, let me let me start. Oh boy. Mm. See, see now this is this is a question where some guys could be mad at me. Some guys could be mad. At they they got to be mad at you. They, they they might not watch this though. So <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, boy, I had some good players. I had a guy at at New Haven who was Player of the Year in the conference. Name is Cairo. He's super talented, a great player. A transfer from Creighton. I'm gonna put him on it. I mean, I could go back to my Newbury days. It's all kind of. I'm gonna do. Oh boy. <laughs> I'm gonna say uh, BD, uh, Tommy, you. Am I gonna need a Rutgers guy on there? Because I love Rutgers. I'm gonna say Miles Johnson. I don't know. You, you, me as a four man, I love it. The U.S. Four, position. <laughs> coach was. I always told coach we needed to have you shoot more threes and take. You know he didn't want. He didn't want that. He wanted you strictly. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's. I mean, there's so many good players I coached. I coached a kid at Northeastern named Ty Mack, who was a great player. Great players. I mean, even junior college. You know, Gio, Ron, Miles. Just, just some really, really good players I've been fortunate enough to be around. But I, I don't. Know. I'm going to put you, you on it, and then you can. I'm going to take you, and then <laughs> four, four other dudes. How's that? It doesn't matter. I, I like that. That's all I need to hear. Uh, I just want to appreciate you for taking the time out your early morning. I know you're busy with all your Fairfield stuff and recruiting and uh, just a lot of practices. So I just want to thank you, and I appreciate you for spending your time on the Jamil Winnie podcast. All right, my man. Good job. I got all my right. man, I, Actually, might go back and listen to a couple of others now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to thank you guys for v- viewing into the Jamil Warney podcast, and uh, we'll be here weekly uh, with uh, more special guests and uh, more funny stories. Thank you, guys.